Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting news. The ESL Empowered, Secure, and Loved eight-week relationship coaching program is officially reopened for application. This eight-week program fills up really quickly every time we open the doors. So you are going to want to apply ASAP. This program is for you if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster for good. And if you need those internal shifts that allow you to embody a securely attached woman so you can effortlessly attract that relationship that you want. It also is for you if you need the tools for attracting and maintaining that healthy relationship. The program is designed obviously to help you bring in that partner that you can build a long-term, intentional, healthy relationship with. And even more importantly, it is about healing that relationship with yourself. This is that internal transformation that is needed when you're ready to step into the relationship that you deserve and to step into the next level of your life. I am personally inviting you to apply if you know that you're ready for help in this area of your life. You can't do it alone. You've tried everything and you are absolutely ready to do the internal work to get the change that you need so you can stop the pain and the heartache in your life and maybe go back into summer, go back into dating, feeling empowered, secure, and loved and ready to attract that relationship that you're so deserving of. If that's you and you're like, okay, Dr. Morgan, I hear you. I know I need this. I am going to take ownership of this area of my life. Enough is enough. I know I deserve what I deserve and I'm going to take action. If that's you, I encourage you to go to my Instagram bio, use the link there. It's apply now. So apply for the program there, or there will also be a link in the show notes. Make sure you don't wait. Apply now to reserve your spot in the program. Hello, welcome everyone. This is a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We're doing a joint episode. Yes, we are. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to I'm Not Your Shrink. I'm sitting here with Dr. Morgan Anderson and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Tracy, I have been looking forward to this for so long. It's finally happening. It's finally happening. Here we are, two women psychologists who work with women looking to improve their communication, improve their relationships, and also their self-worth and how they feel about themselves in the world. It's just 
So it's such important work. It really is. And I know both of us have done a lot of work with couples, couples being some of my favorite therapy clients when I was working full-time as a psychologist. And you, Tracy, put out the best content for couples. (laughs) I look and I think every single couple in America needs to be following you. It is so crucial, the things you put out. Tell people how they could find you on Instagram real quick. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm Dr.TracyD. That is my main hangout space. And I'm often in my stories, just sharing pieces around how we can communicate and show up differently in our relationship, because we know it's it's these micro changes that we do every single day. Mm -hmm. It's not these big weekends away or, you know, these grand trips, like, yes, those are lovely to do in our relationship, but truly it comes down to these micro moments where we have this foundation of trust, respect, authenticity that really makes our relationships Mm. click and healthy and strong. I love that micro moments. That's so micro moments. It's true. And where, where can people find you? (laughs) So I'm at Dr. Morgan coaching, Dr. Morgan coaching on Instagram Um, and I will focus a lot on single women who are dating and looking at dating through an attachment theory lens. So yeah, if you're, and can I just share, I wrote down one of your posts because this one was one that just hit home for, for me, but you know, I express the same sentiments to you that women need to be following you when, if they are looking to just tap into their own inner sense of self, their own inner wisdom and power. So your post, I wrote it out. It says signs you're outsourcing your self-worth. And I just thought, whoa, that is powerful. You rely on others to help you feel good. You place a lot of value on what others think of you and you struggle to know what it is that you really want or need. Mm. Wow. Like, you know, we think so often that we spend this time looking outside of us mm-hmm. to validate if we are okay. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm so flattered you picked that out. Thank you. Um, and yes, it is such a powerful point. It's really at the core, I think, of relationships, this idea that so many of us will look to our relationship to get that sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. But you and I both talk a lot about ownership, self-validation. I think one of the big light bulbs for me in my own relationships is the awareness that if I'm not able to validate myself, there's no way another person is going to validate me. Mm -hmm. It has to start with you, right? It's so cliche. It's what everyone says, but it starts with you and you have to learn to validate yourself before you expect it from somebody else. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll just add to that, that like we, we often, actually I posted this recently in my story. Someone had asked the question, they're, they're married with children. And they said, do you ever regret having children and being with your partner. And so many people, or maybe it wasn't necessarily regret, but do you ever miss your old life? Do you ever miss being that single life? And so many people said yes. And then I also had so many messages from people saying, wow, that's so interesting. I'm single and I wish I was on the other side. And so that it's interesting how in these hard moments in our life, Mm-hmm. As a way to cope with hard stuff, we wish for something else. We wish for the, the other. 
the fantasy. And, and even if we think of that self-worth piece, I know so many women will say to me, well, if I'm with somebody then I'm okay, or I'll finally mm-hmm. feel okay when I find that partner. Yes. Rather than what you're just saying right here, which is go inwards, go inwards. and listen to what it is that you feel, what you need, and that yes. you can rel- learn to rely on yourself. Yes. And then once you do find that partner, because you're a sturdy base, right? I yes. like the analogy of a tree. I don't, I don't know what your analogy is, but mine's the tree where it's like, if you can have your firmly planted roots, yes. your tree trunk is solid, then the branches can weather any yes. storm that comes I, your way. I love it so much. To add to this, I will say that a relationship cannot give you anything that you can't give yourself. Mm. That's a powerful realization. And I I will tell my clients I work with that a relationship essentially is a multiplier of the love that you have, right? So if you, you love yourself, you have that sturdy base you're talking about, the firm tree, the roots are deep, you have that, and then you get into a relationship it will multiply the existing love that you have. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the reverse of that, if we are not feeling good about ourselves and we're really struggling with self-acceptance, self-validation, get into a relationship and then more pain, more more chaos comes. So yeah, this sturdy base. I I love that. I love the tree Mm -hmm. metaphor. Um, And yeah, just knowing that it's available to you. Whatever you want right now is available to you. It's not, I will be happy when Mm. you get to decide as a single person or as a person in a relationship, I can take ownership over this and take a look at my self-worth and create my happiness myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. What do you think we need to be doing to tap into that. Cause I know, so if, if you and I had talked before we clicked record, let's use our attachment lens. And we both have studied attachment. We use attachment in the work that we do with individuals and couples. So if we look at this from an attachment lens, we can see often that an individual who is more anxiously attached. So when we think of attachment, I'll step back for a second. Attachment is the notion that we all need to feel close and connected to the most important people in our life. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to reach for them in times of distress, to know that they'll be there for us and to know that they're, they're responsive, accessible, that right? We're important to them. And so when someone has an anxious attachment style, that is someone who views others positively, right? They mm-hmm. view the other person as positive, that they they long to fill, they long to be with someone to fill that part up inside of them that doesn't feel good. They view themselves negatively. Yeah. So if we were to take on that lens, where do we start if someone is more anxiously attached? I think one of the first steps is awareness, right? So creating the awareness and really looking at, well, where where did that come from? And this is why psychotherapy is so great is looking at the parent-child relationships or just giving you the awareness of, okay, this is this is why I have had this template of myself and others. And then I I would guess you and I'd be on the same page about, okay, from there, how can we start looking at your thoughts and your behaviors? Uh. 
And I don't know about you, Tracy, but I think behavior change is just so, so powerful that often when we can look at, okay, what am I doing for myself? How can I identify my non-negotiable self-care activities that I need that really fill me up and give to myself? Um, once I identify those and I'm doing them consistently, then the thoughts and the beliefs start to shift so much more easily. Uh Oh yes. It is one of the most uh, tangible things that we can access, right? A lot of people think, well, if I just didn't feel this way, if I just didn't have these thoughts, but the, this, we don't have so much control over our thoughts and feelings. It's more of the choices that we can make each day. And I love that you said those non-negotiables because when it comes to getting into a relationship, someone with that anxious attachment, because they are looking to um, connect deeply with mm-hmm. someone, they tend to lose and put aside those parts of themselves. But if yes. we could know what those non-negotiables are and hold ourselves to those so that when a partner, you know, a new partner, uh, I'm just thinking of a, a scenario that I know many of my, my um, women clients have talked about that, you know, they're, they're interested in pursuing someone and then they kind of like fluff them off mm-hmm. or they text them last minute saying, are you available? And then my client will be like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm available. And then they lose their non-negotiables. Yes. Rather than holding on to those and saying, well, actually tonight I'm doing yoga. That's what's important to me, but let's get yes. together tomorrow night. Yes. So, so key. And I think you, and I would agree, this also relates to boundaries too, and self-trust and knowing that, Hey, when I have these things clearly identified for myself and I'm honoring my own non-negotiables and I uh-huh. self-trust that I know this is important to me and I'm going to do it no matter what. And I'm going to set boundaries around it. I always tell people boundaries are hot. We are attracted (laughs) to people with boundaries. We are attracted to people who have that self-trust and that confidence and ultimately that high level of Uh self-worth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those boundaries and values are so important of knowing that about ourselves. What kind of boundaries do you see that would be important for someone who is more anxiously attached, putting you in the hot seat? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I think if I'm thinking about early stages of dating, uh, the amount of time spent together. So boundaries around, okay, maybe seeing you every single night is not healthy for me. Right. Um, so being able to identify for yourself, what is the pace at which you can develop intimacy and feel as though you're developing secure attachment and it feels safe mm. to you and it feels good and being so boundaried around that time spent with the partner. And I think this also goes into uh, communication as well in terms of, okay, how much are we texting? How much are we calling? How, how much in contact are we? I'll work with so many women who they're texting their person all day long, every single day. Right. And then there's the anxious attachment come up of, oh my gosh, they didn't text me. It's been 25 minutes, you know? Um, So knowing for yourself, what is it that I need to create a secure attachment? And maybe that means, hey, we we talk three times a week. 
Um, and, and it's a phone call and I know when it's going to happen. And uh-huh. yeah, so that's such an important boundary there though, eh? Yeah. that it's with our technology today and particularly on dating apps, it makes it so easy to just get into this texting all day mm-hmm. instead of the, you know, getting on the phone deepening the conversation, having that specific time together. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, that's so different, isn't it? It really is. And I think it, it gives people the opportunity to feel very overwhelmed also in developing a relationship and Mm. particularly my avoidantly attached people, you know, if they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm expected to always message this person back right away. (laughs) It's, it's very challenging. So I think openly communicating with your partner about how do we want to build this connection? Create, I always talk about creating relationship culture, create relationship culture where you're openly talking about what does Mm. it look like for us to get closer Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be a, a really powerful question at the beginning of a relationship. What, what are your expectations of talking? Yeah, I, I have to share this story with you. So when my partner and I met, we actually met in a bar here in Ottawa. Um, and he had asked for my number that night. And so I was living in Ottawa doing my PhD and he was in Calgary and living in Calgary at the time for work. And he was back in Ottawa visiting his brother for his birthday. And so when we met, he asked for my number and I said, I don't really like the phone. So I gave my email. I (laughs) wanted to keep him away initially, right? I was kind of the hesitant. um, Anyways, I love that (laughs) so much. Okay, ladies. (laughs) And this this was the day of MSN chat as well. So we were on MSN chat. We did some emailing. But what was interesting is that when we actually did start to date several months later, we had this conversation. And he, Mm. he, I think he asked, so when do you want to talk next? And I thought... And he's like, tomorrow. I was like, oh, like in three days. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) He had hoped. We were at the point in our relationship. We had talked several times on the phone already. I had visited him in Calgary. We did the emailing. There was the gradual buildup, but he had thought we would speak every day. And for me, that Mm. I had no idea. I didn't know if that was going to be, that was something that I wanted or that was workable. And so Mm -hmm. we really did have to navigate the beginning of, okay, you hope to talk each day. Gosh, I'd like to go every three days. How Mm -hmm. can we find what works for both of us. I love this. That's a great example of co-creating security together mm, uh-huh. because so so many people just don't have the conversation or avoid and then people are hurt and you uh-huh. and I know about resentment leads to distance, yes. leads to all kinds of problems. So what a great example of talking through something. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Just being able to work through like, okay, we can try to get on the same page and build this sense of understanding that, that we shouldn't be afraid to ask these types of questions. These types of questions are not push away questions or, you know, I think sometimes women label them as being needy. You know, if I ask how often should we connect, that might be perceived as me being needy when actually it's quite the reverse. It's like saying, let's call this out for what it is. Let's talk about where we're 
we're at. Are we casual? Are we dating just each other? How often would you like to talk? How often would you like to see each other? And what are some of our non-negotiables? You know, Thursday night is my, I'm just using yoga Mm -hmm. as an example. It's my yoga night. So I can't see you on Thursday, but I can't wait to connect with you on Friday. I, I love where this is going. And just to kind of add to the relationship pacing con, um, conversation is uh-huh. this idea of you actually don't have to be on the exact same page because mm. people will develop feelings and invest emotionally at different speeds. But what you're describing and what is most important is that you both know where each other are at. So there's... Mm communication about where are we and and how is this progressing? But sometimes I think, especially anxiously attached folks will feel very worried if their partner's at a different place than they are, but knowing they internalize it. Yeah. They internalize it. They think that they need to work harder. Right. I think my, my anxiously attached folks, it's like, okay, I just got to work harder. Just got to do more, get them to invest. And the reality is, Hey, people, invest in relationships and fall in love at different speeds. And that's okay. Oh, that is so, yes, that is so important for people who feel more of that urge. Right. And that we know that someone who has that anxiety, that distance is really uncomfortable for them. Yes. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I think one piece I wanted to add to this just as a growth area for our anxiously attached folks in communication um, is a lot of them are highly tuned in people, highly sensitive people. They've, because of anxious attachment, they develop strategies of really tuning into everybody else except themselves. Safety strategies, right? They are strategies to keep them safe. Yeah, exactly. Safety strategies is what they've learned to do. So I think one growth area is actually developing curiosity, trying to reduce that work of, Ooh, how can I know what they're thinking? How can I know what they're feeling? And instead it's that coming from that securely attached place of, well, Hey, tell me where you're at. Let's talk about this. How can I be so, so curious instead of trying to know and Mm. intuitively guess what it is my partner's feeling? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then our anxiously attacked folks, you know, they'll tell themselves a story and then pretty soon it's catastrophizing and right. they'll develop the worst case scenario. So a growth area is how can I be so curious mm-hmm. about my partner? Yeah. Mm. I want to add another one to that growth area. How can I soothe that inner storm? Yes. Right. So when we think of behaviors, that's what we can do, but we also need to learn to recognize what yes. ha- what starts to happen in my body mm-hmm. when I feel that anxiety come over me, right? We had said earlier that awareness is so important because that awareness lets us know what is the internal, I, I even just want to go to internal state, the body. Like, is it like, yes. does my heart start to pound? Do I have this like fluttering in my stomach? Is yes. it this like dizzying mind or tense shoulders? or something in my throat, what is that cue that tells me anxiety has spiked? And then what strategy can I bring on to soothe that? Is it about going for a walk? Is it placing, you know, my go-to particularly during this time is just to soothe any anxiety. It's my hand on my heart and breathing Mm -hmm. into that space. Mm -hmm. Is it calling a friend and just talking that out or journaling? Those can all be powerful strategies. 
Absolutely. And this is arguably what you should do first. (laughs) (laughs) Self-soothing. Because we know that if we can build that ability to be our own, be our own rock, be there for yourself, that's going to help you show up better with your Mm -hmm. partner. Right. So in terms of sequencing, what you're saying is definitely what you'd want to do first is how can I offer myself compassion this moment? I talk a lot about mindfulness, self-compassion. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you do as well. Um, And then when I work with women, I talk about how can I realign with the securely attached version of me? Mm. What does securely attached me do in this moment? How does she feel? What is uh-huh. what is she doing to take care of herself? So mm. uh, the powerful pause of, yes, how can I? I love what you said, inner storm. Yeah. It's true. It's an inner storm. It's sometimes and it feels like it's out of our control. But the reality is you can always show up for yourself and work to soothe it. Uh-huh. Mm. I'm trying to get that image of that secure self. So, so that someone, so the listeners can kind of attach to that in a way, like they could hold that. So when I'm, when I'm in my secure self, I have two feet planted on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can kind of wiggle my toes and feel my toes there. Mm-hmm. When I'm my secure self, I can breathe. Yes. I, I do what fills me up. I tap into what's meaningful to me. Yes. I yeah, I love that. I tap into what's meaningful. I uh feel my worthiness. I'm trying to think how to word that, but mm-hmm. I can step into my high level of self-worth and and know that I am enough. I am mm. doing enough. I am enough. Mm-hmm. I am worthy of love as I am. Mm. I'm thinking about the objection that I get commonly here at this point with my clients. And that's often the, I don't know how to do that. Mm. And this is too hard. And it's just, but those thoughts keep showing up. And I like to remind, I want to remind the listeners when they get to this point, if they feel this way too, that, you know, this is, this is developing a new skill. And it's supposed to be about these small moments. And it's a muscle that you're just not used to working. Mm And if we just keep each day practicing the muscle and then an example I like to use with my clients is think, think what hand and what eye you put your mascara on first. Okay. Do you have that in your mind? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now imagine tomorrow when you go to put your mascara on or whatever it is that you do in your daily routine, that you actually do the opposite eye with the opposite hand. Challenging. It feels so strange. But if you keep doing that over and over again, it will be a new neural connection that we can create. Yes. Such a powerful reminder. Takes time. Mm, Takes time. Every time you do it, you're strengthening that neural pathway just a little bit more. So having that patience with yourself Mm-hmm. Self-compassion about self-compassion. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's switch gears to someone who is more avoidantly attached. Yay. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that. So what does that look like? That looks like someone who is really self-sufficient, really goes into that independence. Um, they, you know, what's really interesting about someone who is higher on the avoidance scale is that they 
And I feel all of the same emotions that someone with anxiety does, someone Mm -hmm. with anxious attachment, they feel all of the same emotions, but early on, they've learned to shut that down because their caregivers were not available to them or they were rejecting. Yes. And that was a safety strategy. Mm -hmm. And so what I often like to remind the women or partners who are more anxiously attached, who are with a a partner who has avoidant attachments, I like to remind them all of that is still in there. They actually had this deep fear of being rejected, Mm -hmm. but that is covered up. And they say, I will rely on myself. I don't need to risk with another person. I don't need to lean on somebody else. Actually, someone else could reject me, but they'll stay in that really independent space. Yes. Yes. And I think if we look at the interaction then between the anxious avoidant pattern here uh-huh. is, you know, we have the avoidant partner who's saying, okay, I'm not going to risk being vulnerable because it's too scary. I could be rejected. And then there's also some of the beliefs of intimacy is not safe. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel challenging. Uh-huh. So when they have the distancing reaction and then the anxious partner wants to get their needs met by really asking for that closeness, right? Yes. Seeking that closeness. I like the the image of like knocking on the door. Knock, knock. Are you there? Are you there? Yeah. And then it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy for both people. And Uh that's, that's why it's so painful. And then that's why it becomes that pattern. It's so hard to get out of. Yeah. That is such a hard pattern to get out of, right? Mm-hmm. In- instead of being able to acknowledge, what is it that I'm doing here to keep me safe? What's my partner doing mm-hmm. to keep themselves safe? And then how yes. can we first self-soothe? First self-soothe and then come together. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Anyways, I-, I always have to point that out. And people will say, well, if you're avoidantly attached, wouldn't you be attracted to other avoidantly attached folks. And the reality is no, because you're attracted to the person who fits your blueprint for love. And if your blueprint is, oh, people want more of me, they're pursuing me, then anxiously attached folks are who you're attracted to. So always fascinating to just look at that really quick. Yes, Um, of course. Yeah. Just to kind of see that those repeating patterns, right? We look for what is familiar and we are trying to work through these childhood wounds through our current partners. Yes. So back to avoidantly attached, I think I want to say a growth area and then I'd love to hear one from you, but I think our avoidantly attached folks will benefit from working on interdependence is how I like to think of it. So I love that word (laughs) interdependence, this idea that I can depend on me and Hey, I am proud of my self-reliance. It is a skill. It has helped me so much in my life and it's wonderful. And I can depend on my partner and share with my partner and both can be true. Uh It's not this all or nothing, one or the other way of Uh living my life. Um, And then obviously with that comes, I need to learn how to show up with my partner and communicate when I'm needing my independence. I'm needing my time away. So 
So in healthy you're, avoidance, you're, do that. I'm stealing yours. I know. No, 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 you're not. You, you are speaking to this 21 year old part of me that I, I remember doing my honors thesis and uh, my supervisor had been researching attachment in couples for years. Um, and I went to his office one day after reading just tens and tens of papers. It felt like thousands, but really it was more like a hundred maybe about attachment. And I said to him, I sat in his office and I was so confident. I said, Stan, I get it. I'm independent. I'm secure. He, He looks at me and he said, Tracy, independence is fine. Interdependence is better. Mm. And it really hits home that piece that mm-hmm. we need to rely on other people, mm-hmm. that we can we can go into that care-seeking behavior that I can mm-hmm. reach for you. And that is the growth area for someone who is higher on avoidance that I've yes. got to just dip my toe a little bit. And I see this with couples in my office, just dip my toe a little bit. And if your partner happens to be anxiously attached, the job of the partner who is anxious really has to be to soothe the inside piece of them that wants to fire back yes. and make space for their partner is finally opening up to them, which is what they want. Mm-hmm. But we've got to be ready to catch it. Yes. So that partner with the avoidant attachment mm. needs to dip their toe in just a little bit and just practice sharing. I say, gr- print out the emotion wheel, go onto Google, print out the emotion wheel and start practicing each day. How do I feel in this moment? Mm. And look at Powerful. the wheel. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel frustrated. Oh, wasn't that interesting? If I look at frustrated, it actually goes into disappointed or I can't remember what else it goes into, but there are other ones that it goes into, huh, do I feel disappointed or is it actually more angry? Okay, let's go with angry. Uh, Okay, is it angry wronged or angry, right? And so it really helps us to start labeling what is this feeling inside of me in this moment? So powerful, so Uh powerful. Yeah, I think- knowing that there's always that room to to grow in this way that it really is possible and i love this piece about we need connection we need each other we're kind of going full circle right of uh-huh. acknowledging it's it's not a weakness i think sometimes our anxiously attached folks especially after a breakup they'll do kind of this pendulum swing of, well, I'm totally independent and, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'll, I'll talk to them and they're, they'll call it like bad bitch mode. Sorry. But that's what I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, do my own thing, travel with my friends. Like, what oh, yeah. I don't need no man. Right. And it's, it's this whole pendulum shift uh-huh. and it's an overcorrection correction that comes out of Right. Hey, well, if that approach didn't work of being vulnerable, of really needing, needing somebody, let me just do the total opposite. Mm -hmm. And we know that doesn't work. So (laughs) it doesn't, it just leads to more pain. So it's this beautiful middle path we're talking about here. The anxious folks moving towards secure attachment, avoidant moving towards secure Uh and the acknowledgement of I could show up for myself. I can self-soothe and get my needs met. Uh And I can also have the beautiful opportunity to connect with another human and have them meet my needs as Mm. well. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Just as you're speaking and thinking about another growth point for someone who is more avoidant, that what is important for them is that when they see someone else having emotions, that they do, that they don't shut down. Yes. They, they hold space for their emotions and they remember, this isn't about me. I can hold this space. Because oftentimes what I hear from my couples is... Um, the more withdrawn partner or the person with higher avoidance will go into this space of, oh, I'm not enough. I'm failing. I can't get it right. Mm -hmm. And if we could kind of put our stuff, that stuff that leads us to fall into shame, which distances us from our partner, it's working against us. And that instead put that on the side. I actually ask partners, I say, you know, I see you've just fallen into the shame space here. Can you just imagine like this shame experience is that pillow right there? Can you pass me the pillow and I'm going to hold it for you right now? So when your partner right here is saying, I just need to know that I'm important, that instead of you going into that, I'm failing piece, I'm going to hold that. And can you just see what your partner is saying right now? Can you Beautiful. just see them saying, I'm struggling? What a, and that's a growth space. What an important point, because if we're in that shame, we're not able to really hear our partners and take it in. Mm -hmm. And even though it may seem on the surface as though it's us reacting, it's it's actually protective. If I focus on how it's making me feel that I'm not really having to tune into the other person. Uh -huh. And then it's, it's going along with that rejection narrative of I'm, I'm not good enough in some way. So absolutely being able to set that aside uh -huh. so you can hear your partner. That's how you yes. can move through it. Yes. Yes. What about, so we've talked about the preoccupied anxious, the dismissing avoidance. What about that space where someone has that negative view of self, negative view of other, what, what's labeled as a disorganized attachment? And actually, before we go even, even further, I want to make sure that people understand that as you're listening, that this is one way of working with understanding ourselves and how we show up in our relationship and that they're not labels in, in a way to say that there's something wrong with you. It's a way to create understanding and how can, we can use this. So I always want to make sure we yes. remove any kind of labeling or shame behind this. These are strategies that we've learned to deal with hard experiences and ultimately to keep us safe. So then if we go into the disorganized and fearful attachment, and that is that space of the way I describe it is it's like, I want to be close to you, but then when you come close, it feels too scary. So I want to back away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's a I hard one. It's very challenging. I work with a lot of women who find themselves in that space and it's very painful and it's exhausting. Um, sometimes I'll talk with clients and say, you almost feel like you don't even know how you're going to show up given a, a certain day or a certain scenario. You you can't even predict your own behavior, let alone your right. partner being able to predict your behavior. So it really is an exhausting strategy in uh -huh. relationships. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is so powerful, I know we've talked about, but for, for this style in particular is really learning that self-soothing, really learning how to go inward. Mm. Because oftentimes disorganized is associated with some kind of childhood relational trauma of some uh -huh. sort. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And having been in environments of chaos, having to constantly be outwardly tuned in, Mm -hmm. oftentimes these clients are so disconnected from their internal experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, that the person who they needed to keep them safe was the person who was also creating this danger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, if you are the partner to that person, what I like to talk about there is learning how to be that soothing space, that calming space that is not that continued of upping the ante and getting into those explosive disagreements and fights. It really is about labeling, okay, this is one of those hard moments. You're in this hard moment right now. We're in this together. Mm -hmm. Can I sit beside you? And if sitting beside you feels too dangerous, you know, do you want to go for a walk? We can walk side by side so that we've got some strategies in our tool belt that we know we're going to go to Mm -hmm. when this comes up. Absolutely. So that we're not going to through the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we're still going to go through the ups and downs, but we're going to kind of go, go through the storm, right? Yes. Yes. If it used to be a tidal wave, how can we make it a smaller wave? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that soothing the inside is really important. And just being able to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes there are these triggers and Mm -hmm. that self-compassion is so important of being able to acknowledge I didn't get the needs. I didn't get my need of safety met as a child. Yes. Absolutely. And creating that safety within yourself first. Um, And then I, you know, I think a lot of times I'll talk about when you're building a healthy relationship, one of the most important things is that partner also wants to build a healthy relationship with you. So Uh someone who's willing to show up and do the work with you and have these conversations and co-create a secure attachment together. Because uh-huh. I always think that, you know, each partner has their own attachment style. And then there's the third entity, the relationship and how it's functioning. And we we want that dynamic of the relationship to be a securely attached dynamic as, uh-huh. as much of the time as possible. Yes. So, and, it, and I love the awareness of attachment theory, just adding to kind of what you had said earlier of not using labels thinking of it as a spectrum really and all yes. of us all of us have all of these strategies um it's really just about identifying where are you spending the most time which strategies are you using uh-huh. the most and and developing that understanding Uh, Yeah, developing the kind of the being able to sometimes I need to self-soothe and other times I can mm co-soothe, right? I can soothe with my partner Mm -hmm. um, and that we can use any of those strategies. None of them are bad. It is about finding safety. And also, again, like you said, that creating our worlds together. Mm -hmm. And we see that with security. We see that that partners can say, I see that you really need time with me tonight. And I have this really important work meeting. Can we do this tomorrow night? Right? So that again, we talk about having healthy boundaries in our relationships. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are okay. Boundaries are about saying, I respect me and I respect you. Mm -hmm. And holding those with love, care, compassion. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. 
I have to say, Tracy, this time with you has been so fun. I think it's rare that I get to talk with other psychologists who nerd out on attachment theory as much as I just so like wow we're so on the same wavelength that's so fun yes I I echo that the same it's you know we could just sit and chat about this and kind of just yeah. all the things right yeah 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 I know we've talked about so much and honestly I think this will be helpful to both of our audiences so I'm uh-huh. so, so glad we've done this is there anything else that we should that we should touch on? Hmm. You know, I think we've already said this, but when I think about coming into relationships, it really is about knowing ourselves first. Yes. Knowing what our values are, knowing and values is such a big word. I'd like to rephrase that in the sense of knowing what fills us up, what's yeah. meaningful to us. Mm-hmm. Because if we can act from that space and make choices from that space, then you know, we will find somebody who we connect with and who is aligned with us if we know what what our deal breakers are, mm-hmm. what our red flags are, and making choices from that space rather than from a space of, you know, um, quickly jumping into a relationship or projecting our own needs and wishes onto somebody who actually may not be able to give that to us. So true. I I echo that 100%. I think many of you know, I'm, I'm working on a book and chapter three of the book is Ferrari maintenance. And Mm. (laughs) the idea though, is that we need to know our self-care non-negotiables and realize that there's no guilt for doing those things for ourselves. Unapologetically loving yourself the way that you need to be loved through your thoughts, actions, behaviors, boundaries, Um, And I talk about, you know, it's kind of this funny way of thinking of it, but you're a Ferrari, not a Prius. Like you need to give yourself the high maintenance self-care that you deserve. I'm sorry to any of my Prius lovers, but it's just a metaphor. (laughs) I was going to say. It's just a metaphor. Okay. (laughs) Ferrari maintenance. I think that a lot of it does come back to that. And when we are building that self-trust and loving ourselves in that way, then we effortlessly bring in that relationship that complements us and doesn't, doesn't complete us, but it complements us. Mm. Powerful. You've just said my intention for 2021, which is unapologetic, being able to show up unapologetically. And, you know, it's so interesting because what, what that has been for me about showing up unapologetically is about not playing small, not minimizing the things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. using my voice, honoring and speaking about it and making space for what I'm doing, who I am, just showing up. Absolutely. And as women, so important that we do okay. that so important and that we have circles that support us in that and Uh celebrate, celebrate our wins and our successes. So I'm so glad to be connected to you for that very reason. You're very good at celebrating others that I I love all that you're doing and the way that you're serving your community. So inspiring. Okay. So I need to ask you then, what would you like to finish off with? What, what last words or thoughts do you want people to know? I mean, honestly, I think I want people to know that there's never this 
point that you get to of, okay, now my relationships are perfect. Oh, yes. And knowing that the powerful piece is really just when you commit to the growth and I want to take ownership of my stuff and I want to grow as a partner and I want my relationships to grow. And just knowing that that is a lifelong commitment and it's a beautiful and powerful commitment to make to yourself. So change starts the day you make that commitment. Mm. So I hope Mm -hmm. that you're there with us and that you're, that you're doing the work. And we, even as psychologists and experts in this field, we are not perfect ourselves. So we're right there with you doing the work alongside of you. Yes. Oh, yes. One of my colleagues uh, last year during this pandemic said uh, we had this outdoor gathering and she had said, you know, the thing that we're doing to help us cope is we are allowing ourselves to feel uncomfortable. Yes. And that that truly is part of growth, getting uncomfortable, sitting yes. in this messy stuff and trusting that you will work through this. But yes. as soon as we start pushing it away and not allowing ourselves to feel uncomfortable, then we're going to suffer and struggle and not be able to move forward. Morgan, I, you know, I, I have the same feelings towards you. I just love everything that you are offering. Every time you're, you know, the small tiles on Instagram, we 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 put them out there, but they reach so many people. If you are not following Dr. Morgan, please go do that. Because whenever I see a tile of yours, I'm just like, oh, yes. And I'm liking it. I'm saving it. (laughs) I'm going to like create my own folder for yours because they're just this piece of, you know, just tuning inwards and how important that can be just for what we need to do. Yeah. Thank you so much. The same, same goes for you. Um, I feel w- when I look at your posts, I often think, wow, she is giving this stuff away for free that people would pay so much money in couples therapy for. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is just such high valuable information that people can apply immediately. It's tangible. It's accessible. It's a huge gift to the world. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah. Should we wrap up there? Let's wrap up. And I I always say this, I'll say um, to, to you as well, I am wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk mm. with you soon. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Morgan. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.